Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're re- enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yeah. You know, that is what we ask our couples that we work with. Are you ready to change yourself to work better in the coupleship? And, boy, that's a tough question because so often, People want the other person to change. And you know with sex addiction and partner betrayal, um, it can be very dicey as to who makes the changes first. Now, you know that I work with Helper Heal, and so I'm always asking the betrayer to do the majority of the work so that he or she, depending on whoever the betrayer is, can begin to build back the trust of the partner. Now, couples work is a tricky thing. And there's all types of couples work, couples therapy, couples coaching. And I want you to be very aware out there of the different opportunities that you have to do couples counseling, both in private, face-to-face, telehealth, intensive, and in weekend couples retreats. So today I have Mary Kay Ruchero, who wants to educate our listeners about a new type of support and intervention. And it really was unique, and I thought, this is something I want you to come on board with. And um, so you'll be interested in hearing about this new um, relational model that just incorporates a variety of um, modalities, if you will, to get healthy as a couple. Now, Mary Kay, welcome to the Sex Health with Carol the Coach show. And I got to ask you, how do you say your last name? Hi, Carol. Nice to see you today. 
Uh, Kachero, I think you were doing a pretty good job. It's one of those Ellis Island butchered names from Italy that didn't start like Kachero at all, but we've landed on Kachero. Well, good. I'm glad that I was landing right, even though I was wrong, because I didn't do the original um, pronunciation of your last name, but it is beautiful. And I remember reading about you and about this new couple's approach, this new couples therapy that just seemed to incorporate so many important qualities. And I, I reached out to you and I said, hey, would you come on our podcast and share what this modality is all about? So I'm going to ask you, basically, who are you? And, <laughs> and of course, what is your experience with couples work and couples therapy? Yes. Thank you, Carol. So, um, my name is Mary Kay Cachero, and I've been a couples therapist on the west side of Los Angeles for 34 years. And when I say I'm a couples therapist, I don't mean I'm an individual therapist who will see a couple if they show up. I mean I'm really devoted, very dedicated to the work of uh, helping couples. And so my my practice has been kind of a living laboratory, if you will, in the sense that it has changed a great deal over those 34 years, but I'm primarily devoted to really um, learning new modalities and figuring out the best way to help couples in various situations. Now, in the last, I would say, 10 years, I've had the good fortune of being in close uh, contact and making friends with and becoming a close colleague with uh, Dora Reichenthal, who's a very well-known um, therapist in the world of sex addiction, and she's taught me so much about um, this particular challenge that couples have, and I, I think over the years I've certainly seen it show up more and more and more in my practice. Um, the thing about the work that I do is I believe very strongly that couples therapists need to have advanced training in some sort of couples modality. Mm -hmm. Couples work, I think, is a completely different field than individual therapy in some ways because the focus is on what's going on between the couple, not necessarily what's uniquely inside them. And so, you know, it's not, it's not therapy to two individuals who happen to be in the room at the same time, but rather it's a focus that is relational. It's a focus on what's going on between them, what has happened in their dynamic that has created a lot of pain for them, and how can they build that intimacy. And primarily, it's about building safety. Oh, you've got it, you've got it right on. And I'll tell you, you know I work with um, sex addiction and partner betrayal. And Dorit was instrumental in helping access to develop that multi-partner dimensional trauma model that says you have to have safety first. And so I love the fact that you recognize that for all couples' work, there has to be that foundation of safety. So tell me more. Okay, so many years ago, I would say like 20, let's see, I can always remember that I trained in Imago Relationship Therapy, which is the work of Harville Hendricks and his wife, Helen McKelly Hunt. Uh, he, they wrote Getting the Love You Want, which was a New York Times bestseller, which is kind of crazy for a self-help book, and this was 30 years ago. But I trained with them, 
and became a certified Imago relationship therapy therapist. But a lot of my training was with a woman named Katie Schleifer. She was uh, on the Imago faculty back in the day. And because she is very charismatic and vibrant and happens to speak seven fluent languages, she ran around the world introducing Imago and training Imago therapists. But a lot of my advanced training was with her. And in the Imago community, we say some of us got Hadeized. The work is really, her work became more and more spiritual in a way, much more focused on the intimate connection than on communication per se, Mm -hmm. and also had a dimension of um, healing, introducing the neurobiology, which, you know, now we have, which I didn't have 30 years ago when I started. So it became like very multimodality in a way, and it grew into its own thing. And so as she pulled away from Amago, many of us uh, kind of followed her and did more training, and it's called Encounter-Centered Couples Therapy. And then recently she thought it's not really therapy because when you think about therapy, people think, oh, it's about fixing problems. And this is not a model that aims to fix problems per se. Mm -hmm. It's more a model that helps couples to really go to the heart of the matter, to go very deeply into their wildest dreams for their relationship and what would need to shift in their dynamic so that they could really get the love that they are trying to have, the safety that they need to feel like they can continue in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So I did a three-year master class with her uh, in Florida and um, became certified in encounter-centered couples therapy, which she then changed to encounter-centered couples transformation. And I think it's a I think it's a better name because it really describes what we do. We help couples transform into creative couples. So I believe that most couples are stuck because they can't get out of the the dyadic narrative that they're in. There's a good guy, there's a bad guy, you hurt me, you're the perpetrator, I'm the victim. But all of that, although it feels true, doesn't help you to grow and to heal. And so we really take a much broader look at the situation and say, how what needs to happen here to create enough safety so that all that energy you've been using to try to stay safe from this other that you're married to can get released into our connection. Because when we're connected, individually our anxiety levels go down, we can relax, we can play, we can laugh, we can enjoy, we can have more passion. It doesn't have to be sexual, but it could even be, I'm alive and I'm happy to be with you, passion. Sure. So, you know, I think of it like a pyramid, Carol, like we're starting with safety, we're going to the next level, which is connection, and at the very, very top of that pyramid is what everybody wants, relaxed, joyfulness, passion, happiness, you know, a sense that there's a reason to be here with you. Well, you know, you're talking pyramids, and and I really uh, love the work of one of Doris. Well, both of them are good friends, Dan Drake and Janice Cottle. And they do a pyramid, and it's the intimacy pyramid, and it also starts with safety. So I really can appreciate the fact that your approach is about taking your life to that next level, coach on top of a mental health therapist. So we are always trying to work at self-actualization, and transformation is the number one 
thing you want to occur in couples work. So I love it too. So it's called Encountered Centered Couples Transformation, right? Correct. You've got it. And the founder's name is Hedy Schleifer. I'd really recommend your viewers go and watch her TED Talk on YouTube. It's beautiful. It's moving. You won't have a dry eye. It's called The Power of Connection. It's a beautiful TED Talk for people who watch TED Talks to be familiar with. Um, One of the things talking about safety, um, if I could say this, is that in this work, I feel like I have um, kind of two jobs. One is to help people with Mm self-regulation because you know when there has been betrayal, there's always going to be triggering. Uh, You know, the couple could be doing really well and then somebody has a dream or somebody smells a smell or somebody hears a song and they're disrupted again. Their connection just ruptures so quickly, so easily, and so unconsciously. You know, it just happens. And one of the things that you know, people need to know is how to self-regulate, how to bring their nervous system back into a regulated state so that they can feel okay Mm -hmm. physically and psychologically and emotionally. But this work is also about co-regulation. It's really about using what we know from neuroscience to help people co-regulate. So some of those things have to do with eye gaze, like there's been a lot of research, Carol, about the power of two people gazing into each other's eyes at 18 inches. And sometimes when people have been hurt by each other, that's a very tall order. They don't appreciate that intimate connection. It feels dangerous to them. Mm -hmm. And so we work very slowly to build the safety so that they can look into each other's eyes. Sometimes I have to say, just glance, just glance for a moment at who showed up here with you today, you know, because that sustained eye gaze, sometimes from our childhood, it hasn't been safe to be that close. And certainly in a partner betrayal sort of situation, there's been so much lack of safety. So it's slow, it's deliberate, it's attuned. I love that as well as In my books, I talk about looking at the left eye, the window to the soul, because it works that right part of the brain. So eye gazing, I'm all about, and you're right, it makes you feel so vulnerable. But with vulnerability comes connection. Yeah, and, you know, we call, so in my office, there are two chairs, and when couples are in them, they're close, and, and their eyes are 18 inches apart, it also allows them to touch hands. Mm-hmm. And we know that skin-to-skin touch releases oxytocin, which is a bonding hormone. That helps with the connection. And also, I really help them to learn to breathe together. So they're not, you know, when we're tense, we hold our breath. And so some people, believe it or not, need to learn how to breathe again. So there's all of that biological stuff going on. And we call it the uncomfortable proximity. Hmm. Good. I like that. And when people go, oh, I'm kind of like, they'll sit eye to eye and the tears will start flowing or there's some giggling or there's some giggling with the tears. (laughs) It's a very emotional distance. And this is before we've even started to talk. (laughs) I get that. And I say it's okay that this feels vulnerable because true intimacy building requires vulnerability. 
And, and yeah. so just pace it, we dose it, we learn, we build. And it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of work when you watch couples go from, you know, having had all this betrayal and lack of safety to beginning to really imagine what's possible between them. Well, yes, you know, I'm thinking about how different that is from other forms of couples work uh, that dive right into the problem and don't, they aren't using relational skills to provide safety and to help them to focus in on the other person. And let's face it, if you're really focused in on the other person, you're getting all sorts of messages about yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny diving into the problem. I've trained many, many graduate students over the years. I've taught in graduate schools. I've had tons of associates and interns. And the thing that I would say the number one thing they're surprised by in the work is that I don't, I, I really have very little interest in the fight of the week or whatever content they want to bring in. Even the first appointment, I think they come in loaded, like they're ready to tell me how the other person has hurt them, disappointed them, pissed them off. If only that guy or that girl would change, everything would be lovely between them, you know. And I just, they sit down on the couch, I say, nice to meet you. Um, I give them five minutes to tell me how they met, when they met, how long they've been together, whether or not they have kids. And then I say, and now I'd like to know, what are your wildest dreams for this relationship? Mm -hmm. If you could put three aspects of what's most important to you in the language of abundance, we have, we are, we do, like what would be ideal for you? How will we know we're going somewhere? And it's fascinating because it takes about an hour and a half in that first appointment to gather those wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And they go out like hope <laughs> because they've heard themselves, they've heard each other, there's always commonality, there's always some shared dream. And at the retreats, we take that a step further and we have them do vision boards of what they've told us their wildest dreams are. And once they start seeing visuals of what's possible and they work together to make this beautiful board, on Saturday mornings when they come back into the group after having done that exercise with their partner and they show the group what they've put on their board, everybody dampens their eyes. I mean, it's beautiful what comes out. And this is how we begin the work. We don't begin with what brings you here today. Because that's a dangerous question for a couples therapist. Because invariably what you'll get is, well, that person next to me brought me here today. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, Mary Kay, what I love, because I'm a therapist of 43 years, but I'm a coach. I'm a life coach. And what you're talking about are life coach techniques that actually create self-actualization and, in this work, a relationship actualization. So beautifully said. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the majority of our our listeners, which are either betrayed partners or addicts. And have you ever heard of Patrick Harms? Oh, yes, of course. Okay, I was just checking. Uh, Sometimes in my world, it gets really small, and I think everybody's heard of this. You're right, I know, I know. But he said, when an addict gets to a certain level of their recovery, you have to help them decide how to create a legacy. 
in terms of their own addiction, recovery, in their own family, in their own relationship. And I was a coach at the time, and I went, oh, my gosh, he's speaking my language. Well, this uh, three-phase model that Dorit helped to found, it's based on a trauma model, but that third part of the model is restoration. It's either self of the relationship or uh, the relationship with your higher power, whatever that is. Sure. And my theory is, and the couple's work I do with my clients, which is very much like yours, it's post-traumatic growth. And so, and I say, you know, you don't end up in post-traumatic growth. While you're doing the grief and the anger work and blah, 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 you're also saying, what do I want to get out of this? Because I do believe that anger can get you to move forward towards something. And if you're being guided appropriately, it can help you to release a lot of what's inside. And I love that your work really keeps them on a trajectory where they are working towards transformation across the board, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like that term post-traumatic growth. Um, because I think in truth, we've all got some variation of trauma, you know, and by the time a couple gets to me, and sometimes most of the time they get referred by another therapist or another coach who knows they need something deeper, you know, I do long intensives where I'll be with the couple for one day, two days, three days in a row. The retreats are three days. So, you know, sometimes people, they don't quite know what to do with this couple, but if a couple is really wanting to work this out or at least get more clarity about whether or not to stay. Mm -hmm. That's also a very valuable piece of work because it's deep and it helps you go really very much to the heart. And if there are people who decide after doing this work that they really do want to lovingly release each other. And, you know, when I was a very young therapist, I thought, oh, no, I failed. They're getting a divorce. (laughs) But now I realize that the work is to help people get clearer, to heal themselves, and then to be able to look across that relational space with their partner and say very clearly, and I want this to be a mutual healing where we stay together, or I want this to be a mutual healing where we can walk away without pain, without animosity, without woundedness. And I don't know, you know, now that I'm older, I just think it's all good, right? It's like it doesn't matter in a way. It's just really, really an important thing to do to get that growth post any sort of trauma, but particularly betrayal trauma. It's very important. I mean, because otherwise, wherever you go, there you are. You just take your pain with you into the next relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, I call it integrity. If they decide that they no longer want to work together, then they leave an integrity. And when they do so, they feel good about the relationship, even though it ended. Yes, that's a great word. And it's also a very important thing. Um, You know, a lot of people have children. Mm -hmm. And to live in integrity, to leave in integrity, and be able to co-parent effectively and with love and generosity, it's important. Absolutely. So, you know, you started to touch on it, but I want to ask you, 
how do you believe that the past is experienced in the present? Um, well, the word that popped up when you asked the question is one word, always. I believe that it is always in the present. Um, because of the way our brains work, you know, every experience we've ever had is coded. And in the limbic brain, that part of our brain that is our emotional brain, mm -hmm. that isn't fully conscious all of the time, but there are memories that are in there. And so, you know, that's what triggering is about. So if you think of an iceberg, this is how I visualize it, at the very tip, the top of the iceberg, which is above the water, in the present moment, so the tip is the present moment, couples can be in their boat floating around, water's nice, and then they hit a trigger. And now they're in something, and it can be so upsetting that the boat capsizes and they're drowning. But it was just the tip. The tip is maybe responsible for 10% of that upset. The other 90% is what did that thing, that interaction, that word, that behavior, that lack of word, that lack of behavior, that thing that just happened between you, what is it triggering in you from your past? Now, what's just below the waterline are all the experiences you've had with this partner. Those are pretty easy to get triggered. A little bit deeper are all the experiences you've had in other intimate relationships those thoughts, those feelings, those experiences that didn't truly get healed or resolved. But the bulk of life is our childhood and our adolescence. So if we are agnostic to what's in our ice, we can really begin to believe that, oh, this upset and pain that I have is 100% responsible to the person I'm with. And that's why people come in pointing fingers at each other, because they're absolutely convinced that if only this person were different, I could be happier. And maybe that's true, but it's not totally true because we also have our own work to do. We also have to understand why does this thing trigger me but that thing doesn't? Well, because I had a unique background. My life is my life. It's not your life. It's not anyone else's life. And so we have to also open up and explore, you know, this thing happened. Here's how I felt. Here's what it reminds me of in my past. And then we begin a process of, of seeing these things and beginning to heal them in conjunction because I don't think it's separate. I think the past is the present is the past. And because our limbic brain is atemporal, that means it doesn't know now from then. And that's the good news. You can heal the past in the present. But the bad news is you can be in the past, in the present, yeah. and that's what trauma is, right? That's exactly a trauma response. Mm -hmm. No, that's beautifully said. And for most of our listening audience, they are in trauma or they believe that they've caused the trauma. And mm -hmm. my favorite coaching principle of all is no matter what happens to me, I am 100% responsible and accountable for my behavior. And so I've got a pretty severe eye infection right now. And I get to decide, do I um, belabor that point and feel sorry for myself and stay in a depressed mood? Or do I say, okay, i got a pretty bad eye infection. And regardless of what happens, I want to live life to its fullest. And when we choose to live that way, 
again, that takes a lot of emotional maturity, but it also takes that shift. And I noticed some of the modalities you use really ask for a shift. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I was noticing something was going on with your eye, and I'm sorry to hear it's an infection, but I love your attitude. Thank I you. think that attitude will definitely heal your eye. Um, you know, one of the things I teach couples very quickly is that between them, there is a space, and their relationship lives in the space between them. Mm-hmm. The Austrian philosopher, Austrian-Jewish philosopher, Martin Buber, wrote a book called I and Thou. And the emphasis is on the and. So there's me and there's you. And the and is our space between. It's where our relationship lives and it's sacred. So couples come in where the space is very polluted. Mm -hmm. They have put all kinds of dangerous things in that space. Sometimes left to its own devices, polluted space becomes actually quite toxic. Mm-hmm. And we're like magnets. When the space is good, it's sacred, it's nurtured, we clap together, we want to be there. We're like magnets that just attract. But when the space is polluted or toxic, we approach the space and we repel each other because we have to go to our own selves to keep our safety. So it's a problem because we are wired for survival. First and foremost, as humans, we will make the other person the enemy. We will fight them, flee from them, collapse from them, hide from them, beat them up, do whatever we need to do to stay safe. And that's what trauma is all about, is that survival mode. That's our survival mode. That's our survival mode. But we are also wired for connection. Mm -hmm. So it gets really tricky when the person we have chosen to be in connection with is also the person who threatens our survival. But survival will trump connection, mm-hmm. but make us miserable. Mm-hmm. So we can never be connected if we're in our survival suits. We have to take off our survival suits, which is that vulnerability we spoke of, in order to begin to experience the connection. So the work is really about making it safe enough for people to feel that they can begin to let down those survival suits mm-hmm. so that they can honor the desire for connection, the need for connection. And it's funny that you said I'm 100% responsible for myself because those words are what I say to couples. You are each 100% responsible for what goes into that relational space. Not 50-50. That's a divorce formula. Yeah. 100-100. 100%, so no matter what your partner is doing, you put your best self into that space. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I work I work exclusively with couples too, and I really don't see couples who are in that survival mode whereby they have to be. You know, I don't see people intentionally hurting each other um, in in the couple's work. I see people that miss opportunities. I see people that shut down. I see people who aren't there for, but they're not hell-bent on hurting the other person. And yet, because the other person's been hurt, their filter's on and their perception is, there he or she goes again, hurting me. And I believe that shift helps us to take back our power 
to know that we can take care of ourselves. Ultimately, we must take care of ourselves in connection. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what people don't seem to understand about this emotional reactive brain of ours Mm -hmm. is that at the heart of it, we're mammals. And we don't have that many things we can do when we're endangered. You know, we can fight, we can flee. Most people know fight or flight. Mm-hmm. We can submit, uh, which I think they're calling fawning. Yeah, you know, fawning. But it's basically making nice, making sure everybody's okay, making everybody else happy at your own expense. And we can collapse. You know, we can just freeze. Mm-hmm. So those are the four things that can happen, and they're not a conscious choice. Like you don't walk in and say, I think I'll yell at my husband today, or I think I'll uh, get in the car and drive away when he makes me mad. You know, we don't decide. It's a very automatic kind of reactive reactivity. It's reactivity. And I find that most people, although we can do all four of those things, we tend to do the one that worked best in our childhood to get our needs met. So in some families, you can kick and scream and and yell and your parents will give you what you need. And in some families, that'll get you killed. You better not do that. You better go hide under the bed when things get dangerous, you know. So we've all learned what we need to do to survive, thank God, right? We're smart that way. And then we just keep doing it with our partners. And it's typically not that helpful. Of course, any kind of reactivity is going to beget reactivity in your partner and so now we're reacting all over the place and you can't be connected there and you certainly can't solve any problems because the reactive brain doesn't have words it doesn't have thoughts it just has reaction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when when the cortex the wise adult part of our brain gets hijacked into that emotional place we are literally not created there and it, I think it requires a lot of creativity for couples to find new ways of being and to create the transformation that they're looking for. So we have to stay in the cortex. Mm -hmm. And so these neurobiological um, things we were talking about, like eye gaze and breath and self-regulation, those really help us to stay in the cortex, that part of the brain that is our higher self. The part that's smarter, more mature, wiser, and can be created to begin to resolve things with each other. As well as you are a guide in helping them get there because you believe in the type of work you're doing, which focuses on their strengths and focuses on their ability to get out of that state. Because you just said they really do get hijacked there. I 100% believe in everybody's capacity to heal. Mm -hmm. I do think they need a guide. Sometimes I'll even say to them, it's like you're lost in the forest Mm -hmm. and you just need a guide. Mm -hmm. You need to know how to survive this. You need to find the better path, you know, and I can jump into the forest with you for a period of time and teach you some things. Mm -hmm. Um, I even kind of shudder to call myself a therapist because I think the model is more coaching. Mm Uh, as you said, but I'm a therapist, so that's what I do. But, you know, I think it's that. I think it's it's a guide. I think it's guidance. That's exactly right, kind of guiding people to find their own path and be able to heal each other as well as themselves. Well, I love what you're doing. You, you, you articulate it so well. As we begin to wrap up, I've got to ask you, 
what advice would you give with our listening audience, which is really geared towards working on their relationship? What advice would you give them as we wrap up? Well, I think, you know, the first thing is to check your narrative. You know, really ask yourself, is what you're telling yourself about your partner that's getting you into trouble, is it true? Is it absolutely true? Because sometimes we, we create a story um, in, in ECCT, Encounter Center Couples Transformation, we call it a story I'm telling myself about you. And when I have, when I have somebody, when they start to, to tell me about their partner and I say, so, so say it this way, so the story I'm telling myself about Jack or about Jill, it all of a sudden just kind of wakes them up to the idea that maybe that's not even true, you know, but it's, it's what I've told myself. It's usually not true. And so to begin to be curious, curiosity is a huge tool in the work. Mm-hmm. Can I be curious about what's going on in the world of my partner? Because when I'm curious, I can encounter them with empathy and compassion, which is much different than anger, judgment, criticism, and those other negative things we can put into the relational space. So I tell couples the most dangerous thing they will ever do is talk. Talking is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. But you can at least pull up two chairs, bring them close enough so that your knees are touching the chair in front of you. This will give you that 18-inch space. Connect with your eyes, hold hands, take some breaths. We have seen... When people do that, it takes about four minutes for limbic resonance to occur. And that's when the emotional brain patterns begin to merge, mm-hmm. and you'll see the brain bridge. You'll see the encounter on their functional MRI. Mm-hmm. So if you just look into your partner's eyes for four minutes, there will be a whole softening and a whole rel- a relaxing mm-hmm. of that protective thing that you're bringing to the relationship. And from there, maybe... Maybe just go back and forth expressing some appreciation for one another. Just pick one thing you appreciate. Because as humans, we're complex. You know this, Carol. You know, you can be furious with your partner and really love them. You can have all kinds of hurt and sadness about your partner, and there's one thing you do appreciate. And so I have them express, you know, the, the good things while they're learning the model, while they're learning the process of how to go into the deeper things in a safe way. And couples learn this quickly. I love that. And hear what Mary Kay is saying. And, again, I want to remind people, because it is kind of a mouthful, she is referencing Encounter-Centered Couples Transformation Work. It used to be called Encounter-Centered Couples Therapy, and now it's transformational. They're acknowledging it, and it, it replaces the therapy. And how can they get a hold of you, Mary Kay, if they want to find out more about it? We have a lot of clinicians that also listen to this podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm putting together a, a training, actually, for therapists. I think it will be in November online, and so they can um, go to the website to get information about that. But it's www.mkcuchero.com. And what I like about sending people to the website is that because I'm old, Carol, and I've been around a long time, it's a very robust website. It's got articles, blogs, talk shows, podcasts, all kinds of things. And so you can get a lot from just reading some things around on the website and listening. 
Uh, and then from there, of course, they can email me directly, and I'm happy to reach out. I'm working some on telehealth, but I really prefer in person, uh, just because the depth of the work is intimate, and I, but I can do both. And then I'm going to be putting together some new retreats. And what I would really like to do is do a specific retreat for couples who are doing intimacy building in post-trauma growth. That would be a really fabulous group. I have had um, people going through betrayal trauma, healing from betrayal trauma in my other retreats. And it's a, I just know from experience it's a terrific modality for that. Mary Kay Conchero, thank you so much. And I look forward to hearing more about this approach. I want to hear more about your workshops, your intensives. And thanks for thinking outside of the box. It really reinforces a lot of the work I do. And, and so my listening audience has even heard about knees to knees and, and doing that, that eye gazing. That's so important. Oh, great. Yeah. Wonderful to know. Thank you. Thank you. And Carol, I wish you the best with your eye infection. Thank you. Thank you very much. And like I said. Thank you for having me today. It was wonderful to speak with you. You too. You take care and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So isn't she a breath of fresh air? <laughs> I mean, we have to think out of the box when it comes to working on getting through this partner betrayal and sex addiction. I thank you for hanging out with me and always uh, being a part of being vulnerable and risk-taking and taking your life to the next level with Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Just remember... There will only be one of you at all times, so I want you to fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Talk to you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.